discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Why don't you give the Lord a big wave of praying, hallelujah, to God be all the glory, all the glory. Hallelujah. Can I lift up your hands towards heaven? Thank you, Jesus. 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 To you alone be glory. Be enthroned in this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Take over this meeting. Thank you for wisdom and revelation. Thank you for your moving amidst us. Thank you. Father, thank you. Dear Jesus, thank you. Dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. To him alone be all the glory. Praise and honor forever. Hallelujah. Can you please be seated? Thank you. Please be seated. Hallelujah. Praise God. We we bless God to be here tonight. And so excited. We've looked forward to this meeting with great anticipation. Last day we couldn't come. Last day we were actually were seriously anticipating to come. But we thank God for this year that we are here. Hallelujah. When you enter into this place, you feel like you are in church. You don't feel like being in a funeral. <laughs> because the Bible says that the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. So you feel like church. And the Bible also says that the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. So I just am glad in the way you exude with joy. Because that is characteristic of Mount Zion. Because he had come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem. Hallelujah. You've come to the general assembly. You've come to the general assembly. It means a great festal public gathering, place of joy. Can you give the Lord a resounding joy one more time? Hallelujah. So we thank God for all your shepherds 
the residents, shepherd, Pastor Kobe, all of all, all, all the One thing I know is a love economy, you have good pastors. You have good shepherds who feed you with wisdom and understanding. So can you shout for your pastors? God giving you good pastors. And can you praise God for the pastor of your pastors, Pastor Oti Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Are you ready for God's word? <laughs> All right. So I'll suggest, I, I want to recommend that all the messages that we've, we've preached the past week, you try and listen to all of them. Hallelujah. Because when the Lord sent letters to Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, Pergamos, Sardis, you see all the rest of the churches read the letters that were sent to each church. So whatever is spoken in Kronum Church, you have to listen to it. And whatever is spoken in Asafu, try and listen to it. Hallelujah. And you'll be blessed. And tonight I want to speak on how you can have excellent faith. But you can have or you can possess excellent faith. You can possess excellent faith. How you can have it. How you can possess it. Excellent faith. Hallelujah. Okay, so turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Now Hebrews 11, verse 1 said, I read 1 to 3, then I read verse 32. Verse 1 to 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 32. And what shall I more see? For the time will fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also, and of Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of their weaknesses were made strong, waxed valiant in a fight, ten to flight the armies of the aliens. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we want to learn on how. Now all of these are witnesses of the faith or example of faith. And um, we want to study how these heroes of faith, beginning from the era of the judges, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, how we can learn the excellency of faith from these guys. Praise God. I want to learn how we can, lessons to learn from them concerning faith so we can apply to our lives. Praise God. But let's start from verse 1. The Bible says that now faith is a substance of things hoped for. Now Hebrews 1 verse 1 is not the definition of faith. Hebrews 1 verse 1 is the behavior of faith. <laughs> it is the conduct of faith. I like it by what A.W. Tozer said that Hebrews 1 1, faith is not defined philosophically. It is defined functionally. Actually, it is the behavior of faith, how faith behaves. So it says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for. And I'm so glad when the apostle was talking about faith, how it behaves, he mentioned hope. Very important. Because faith has to do with hope. Praise God. Faith has to do with hope. Hope is a very important subject 
in the New Testament. Very, very vital. We have to know. And when the Bible mentions hope, we understand faith when we understand hope. When the Bible mentions hope, primarily in the New Testament, it speaks about two major aspects or two major things. Firstly, or primarily, it describes the coming of the Lord. That the coming of the Lord is our hope. The Bible calls that the blessed hope. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2 verse 13. In fact, he calls the coming of the Lord the blessed hope. So it's, it's our hope. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's first Peter 1 verse 3. So the coming of the Lord is our hope. You know, that hope is when this mortal will be clothed with immortality and when this corruption shall be clothed with incorruption. Now, we'll be clothed upon with our heavenly bodies. You have a new, brand new bodies. You will never have to sleep again. You will never have to be hungry again. You will never have to use makeup again. <laughs> you will never have to do exercise again. <laughs> no press ups again. No need for six packs. <laughs> The glorious body. You cannot be bitten by mosquitoes again. There's no heat. There's no cold. There's nothing. You, you don't need soap. You don't need lax. You don't need spray. Body spray. Deodorant. You don't need a hair. <laughs> so we have this body that is from heaven. It's the hope of our calling. Hallelujah. It's, it's a major doctrine in the New Testament. Hope. Now, in Hebrews chapter 6, now look at verse 19. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that which is within the veil, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And verse 19 says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. You know an anchor? Now, an anchor is a very heavy metal. When a ship casts its anchors in the sea, you know what it does? It stabilizes the ship. So that even in the midst of storms and heavy winds, the ship is stabilized because of the anchor. And the Bible says that anchor is our hope. Hallelujah. So despite all the troubles in the present day and all the challenges and the trials and the tribulation of the modern world, we are not moved, we are not shaken, we are not moved because of our hope, which is the anchor of our soul. Hallelujah. So I'm telling you, if you have hope, no matter what you are going through or the challenges that come to you from every side, hope will keep you stabilized. It will keep your soul rested. Because hope tells you that good things are coming. Yeah. The Christian hope is that good things are just coming your way. That your future is in his hands. Your future is bright. Actually, your future is bright. But you see, our future is glorious. As believers, our future is perfect. Look at what the Bible says about our hope. We have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that which is within the veil. Whether the forerunner, you know what it means? Let me show you illustratively what the apostle is talking about. You see how ships cast their anchors? I don't know if you have taken a ship before. <laughs> now, he's given a certain illustration here, which may not be normal, but let me just try and put something together pictorially in a picture form. Assuming a ship is coming to Ghana from, let's say, Cote d'Ivoire. And the ship is nearing Ghana. And the ship is coming to the port in Takradi. But the ship is not yet in Takradi. And the ship is able to cast an anchor from the border of Abidjan to the harbor in Tadi, to the port in Tadi. 
So there's a big rock and it has an anchor that is cast to that rock. So although the ship is in Abidjan, the anchor is in the rock that is in Takradi. And it is deeply fastened or drenched into the rock in Tadi. So although the ship is not yet there, the anchor is there. So what it means is that no come what may, no matter the trouble, the trials, the storms, whatever comes, the destination or the designation of the ship has already been determined. It means that no matter what happened to the ship, the ship finally will reach or arrive its final destination. You know what he's talking about? There's an anchor that is from your soul. And it has cast it. That anchor, you know where it is? Right to the holies of holies where the Father is. The anchor is cast from that place to your very life. So what it means is that no matter what happens to you in the present world, you are going to make it finally to your heavenly home. You make it your heavenly home. <laughs> you are not yet there, but there is an anchor that connects you to the most holy place where the heavenly father is. <laughs> and because of that, no matter the storms that may beat you, the trials that may beat you, the challenges that may beat you, the good news is that finally you make it there. Because you are in Christ and you are in him. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible said it is sure and steadfast. It is certain. And this is describing the security of our salvation. Your salvation is secure if you are in Christ. And look at what the Bible says. Whither the forerunner is for us in faith. Hey. <laughs> I wish I'm preaching on only this the whole night, the whole night. Where the forerunner is for us in faith. Who is the forerunner? The word is prodomos. Now, it was a kind of title in those days. But a forerunner in those days was actually a commoner. Not a special person. Can you imagine? A commoner who, you know what he does? When a, in a kingdom, when a king is, respect, is expecting a special guest from another kingdom, the forerunner goes before the special guest and announces to the king the coming of the guest. So what the forerunner does is that the prudomos, he now announces, announces where the guest is. He, he will say, oh, now the guest is truly coming. But presently the guest has reached Asafo. And this and this and this is what is happening. Then after a while, the, the forerunner, the prudomos, will announce again where the guest has reached. And that must be a very dignified personality. So the forerunner now announces step by step to the king where the special guest has reached. And now the king rejoices that very soon the guest will arrive home. Now Jesus took the place of a commoner. The Bible says he became the forerunner to announce before the father. Now he's announcing before the father where you are in your faith and telling the father that very soon the father is going to see you. Very soon you are coming home. Brethren, you are the joy of the father. You are the inheritance of the father. You are the treasure of the father. And as I'm talking, our forerunner Jesus, our prodomos, he's announcing concerning your life. You have no idea how much you value before God. Your name has been mentioned in heaven, in the corridors of corridors of heaven, and he's telling the father about you that he purchased you with his blood. You are his treasure. He purchased you not to lose you, but to keep you because he's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the throne of his glory. So you are being announced that you are coming home, brethren. Very soon we are all going to gather together and we'll be home in eternal celebration with the saints and with the father and with Jesus forever and ever in all of eternity. Give the Lord a shout of praise. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. So this is the hope of the church. This is our hope. What a hope. Because the creature itself was subject unto vanity. Not willingly, but by reason of he who has subjected the same. In hope that creatures shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Not only they, but ourselves also. Even we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we do groan in ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wait the redemption of our bodies. For we are saved by hope. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brethren, this is the hope. I'm talking about our eternal salvation. The salvation of our body is by hope. Brethren, we are going home. We will go home very soon. Even if it takes 50 years, we'll still go home. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So that's our hope. Now, the next usage of the word hope has to do with this present life. Has to do with what is available for us in the redemption. You see, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we through the comfort and the patience of the scriptures might have hope. Romans 15 verse 4. What happens is that if you open the Bible, it gives you hope. Why? Because the scriptures will tell you what is available for you. Now, hope tells us what you have. In your spiritual bank account, hope tells us what is available in redemption for you. That's hope. That's hope. If you are sick, hope tells you that there is healing for you. If you are broke, hope tells you that there is provision for you. If you are lonely, hope tells you that there is comfort for you. You see, if your marriage is not working, hope tells you that it can work. So hope gives you a certain confidence of good. That God has established everything well and there is good for you because God has already prearranged our lives and what He prearranged for you is good. Everything is good. Brethren, what God has written about your life is good. That's hope. Very important. Very important. Now, the Bible says in Hebrews 10 23, let us hold fast the profession of our. Faith without wavering for his faithful that promised. Actually, the word faith here is not faith. It's hope. Now, in the Greek, it's not pistis, it's elpis. Let us hold fast the confession of our elpis, of our hope without wavering. <laughs> so, we have the confession of faith and we also have the confession of hope. Yeah, but you can read it from other verse. Okay, thank you very much. Look at the DBE. The Bible says, let us keep the witness of our hope strong. Yeah, because the word is hope. So you confess your hope also. You confess what is available for you. God has healing for me. That's good hope. <laughs> God has a good husband for me. God has a good wife for me. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So hope, hope tells you what you have in your bank account. But faith is an ATM card with which you can withdraw what you have in your bank account. <laughs> have, you seen, have you ever seen someone who has all the money in the bank account but he doesn't know how to enjoy it? So you may have all the hope and still not enjoy all that is yours. But it takes the ATM of faith to be able to withdraw what is due you and what is yours. That is faith. Faith is the substance. The word substance is so wide and profound. Now the word substance is hypostasis. Hypostasis in the Greek. Hypostasis. And hypostasis is uh, is compounded of two words in the Greek, hypo. Now, hypo means by, by, stasis, histemi, which means stand. So, actually, the word substance means two words, hypo, stasis, from the word histemi, by, then stand. So, actually, the word substance is literally to stand by, hypo, stasis, stand by. So, faith is to stand by. Let me explain. When we say faith, faith is to stand by what God has said to you. You stand by the word of God, no, come what may, no matter what happens, until you see the manifestation of what God has said. You stand by it. Now, the word stand by has to do with, have you seen a dog that has gotten a big bone of his choice? A bone. If you throw a bone to a dog, and the dog really likes the bone. The way the dog can lay hold of the bone and will not let the bone go, come what may. 
the dog clutches onto the bone and says, me and this bone, we are one. Nothing will separate us. <laughs> what God has put together, let no man cut asunder. <laughs> you know what is happening? The dog is standing by the bone, holding firm on, onto the bone because that is it. So you hold on to what God has said. No matter the circumstance, that's what is called substance. <laughs> Hallelujah. What has God said to you? Now you hold on. Because why are you holding on? Because you know God is faithful. Listen, the, the day you get to know God is faithful, that's all. You, you walk in faith every day. Faith is so simple. Now once you know God is faithful, you are done. That's You are done. You are done. Once you know God cannot lie, whatever he has said, he, he doesn't lie. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Titus 1 verse 2. He cannot lie. Now, have you ever read that the Bible says that just shall live by faith? Have you read it before? It appears four times in the Bible. The last one is Hebrews 10 verse 38. The second one is Galatians 3, verse 11. The third one is Romans 1, verse 17. But the first one is Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. So there's one in the Old Testament, three in the New Testament. Habakkuk 2, verse 4. Romans 1, verse 17. Galatians 3, verse 11. Hebrews 10, verse 38. All of these, you find the word, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. But the first one is in the Old Testament. It's in Habakkuk 2, verse 4. It says that, behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. You see, the rest in the, in the New Testament doesn't say the just shall live by his faith. There's no his. All the rest is the just shall live by faith. So when you read Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, the just shall live by faith. But the first one, Habakkuk, says the judge shall live by his faith. What's the difference? Okay, what's the difference between the judge shall live by faith and the judge shall live by his faith? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> There's his here. But let me show you something. The word faith appears only twice in the entire Old Testament. But the word faith is the word emun, E-M-U-N. Actually, it's the word amen. Yeah, the word amen is the word for faith in the Old Testament. So whenever you say amen, you are saying I believe. Yeah. In the Hebrew, Abraham believed God. Actually, Abraham amen God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. <laughs> so when you say amen, tell us something is happening. Amen is faith. Amen is faith. And amen is also the name of a person. Haven't you read Revelation 3.14? These things sayeth the Amen. Amen. That's one of the names of Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All come, so when you have Revelation and you're mentioning the thing, Charlie, something will happen. All is on the, on the wings of Revelation. <laughs> but the word Amen is Emun. E-M-U-N. But the word here is not E-M-U-N. This word is the word Emuna. A-H is added. So this word is not faith. It's the word for faithfulness. Faithfulness. So literally, the just shall live by his faithfulness. Now he's not talking about the faithfulness of the just. He's talking about God's faithfulness. The just is capital H. The just shall live by his faithfulness. God's faithfulness. Because the faithfulness here is not small h. It's in Hebrew. In the Hebrew, it's not small, it's, it's big H. So it's not the just faithfulness, it's God's faithfulness. So what it means is that you live by God's faithfulness. God is faithful. So listen, so now that I'm believing God for, now what are you believing God for? Personally, I know you are believing God for something, true or false. So is God faithful to give it to you? Now if you just see that God is faithful, if you stand by his word, he will never lie. It's true. Now, if you see God in his faithfulness, God sees you in your faith. Once you see God in his faithfulness, just see that God is faithful. 
Don't even wonder whether you have faith or not. Just see God in his faithfulness. That God is faithful and it will come to pass because he cannot change his mind. And as you see him in, in his faithfulness, now God sees you in your faith because you are seeing him in his faithfulness. Praise God. So you stand by the word. Now, once upon a time, the Lord Jesus told his, his disciples, let's pass. Let us pass to the other side. He was talking about the river Jordan. He said, let us pass to the other side. Then they sat in the ship and Jesus just spoke the word and went to sleep. Now he spoke the word. Let us pass to the other side. Then he went and slept. In the middle of the journey in the sea, the storms began to beat the boat or beat the ship. And the disciples began to murmur and complain. Don't you care that we are perishing? When Jesus woke up, he asked them, Oh, ye of little faith. Because Jesus didn't say, Let us go halfway and sink. Is that what he said? Jesus never said, Let us go halfway and sink. So he rebuked them for little faith. Because Jesus said, Let us pass to the other side. He released the word and he went to sleep. Because the word is effective to accomplish what he says. You see, just the word alone. Just this is what faith is all about. Just the word alone. He, if he said it, this is the same person who said, Let there be light, and there was light. This is the same person who spoke, and the constellations came to being. His word created everything. And he says, Let us pass to the other side. The word alone is enough. So he went to sleep. If he has said, let us go halfway and sink, then we will know that we will stay here. Do you know that if you trust God in his faithfulness, that's how you can honor your own word? Is it not God who said, now, let me show you something that can change your life. Have you ever read Mark eleven twenty-three? The last part, look at what he said. In the last part, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He said, you can have whatever you say. Is it true or false? Now, he can you can have whatever you say. True or false? Now, it depends on the integrity of the one who is saying this. <laughs> if he lied, then God must be a liar. I don't think he's a liar. God, God cannot lie. Hmm. So if huh, you, just, you don't have to reason about God's word, you just have to believe it. Now a certain woman went to Ken Hagen and said it was a full gospel, the old full gospel. They had a convention. And after the service, the woman went to Ken Hagen and said, I am havoc wreck. I am sick of fright. I can't take a plane again. I can't come to these four gospel conventions again because <laughs> I'm afraid to take, to take a plane. In fact, I'm afraid to death that when I sit in the plane, I'm going to die. The fright is too much on me. I'm sick of it. I can't take any plane again. So this is my last day. I can't take a plane. Now, there are people who are afraid to take planes. You know that? Are you one of them? Don't worry. Then, Hagen said, this is what he said. And this is what Hagen said. You don't have to be afraid of taking a plane. In fact, you don't even have to pray. That's what he said. You don't have to be afraid of taking a plane. And he said, in fact, you don't even have to pray. All that you have to do is that when you sit in a plane, just say, let us pass over to Los Angeles. And sleep. Makatalabatande. <laughs> Let us pass over to nah, you. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Say it and don't bother again and sleep. Hmm. The more you grow in faith, the more you grow in simplicity and you grow into rest. You say it and you don't bother again. They are not thinking, so how will it be? How will God do it? How, 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 how? No, it's not your business. You just, your business is to say it. Ask it, just say it and sleep. So the woman did that. 
A year after, the woman met him again, and the woman said, every fear is gone. From that day, I've been flying everywhere. <laughs> and there has not been any problem. Hallelujah. Now, what will you do if arm robbers come around your area and they are shooting? What will you do? <laughs> will you stand up? Hey, yes, way. Hey, hey, oh Lord, oh Lord. <laughs> oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. That's a manifestation of faithlessness, unbelief. If, of course, you can call upon God, but it shows where your faith is. But do you know that you can, you can just smile? <laughs> and when you smile and say, I'm exempted, and sleep. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know why I'm saying this? Because I'm provoking you. If it is not happening now, it can happen to you after five years. This, this dimension of faith. Once you've had it, you, grow, you can grow into it. Once you've had it, a standard has been set in your heart. And you can believe for it. Once you've had it. I like quoted from Hagen Hagen because he was a principality of the faith. Hallelujah. And one day he told a story that he was traveling to New Mexico and the road was very bad. So when he was going, his mom called him and said, son, whenever you are traveling, I can't sleep the whole night. I pray till you come. And I pray and pray, expecting that, and my phone is with me. And I keep praying the whole night when you travel and expecting a call, that a call will come through and someone will tell me that your car just crashed. What kind of prayer is that? <laughs> then he said, but I know, son, you are a man of faith. I know that when you are driving, every second you are praying and calling on God. Every second, I know you are praying. Then he said, mom, I, I don't do that. <laughs> then he said, son, what has gotten into you? <laughs> then he said, mom, it's the word that has gotten into me. <laughs> <laughs> Then he said, he said, well, I don't even pray when I'm going. The mom now was not disturbed. <laughs> he said, the Lord said, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Then in Psalm 91, he said, there shall no evil befall me. In fact, when you read the Sweden version, the Sweden Bible, it says, there shall no accidents befall you. So when he's going, he just says, Father, thank you that you are with me. Thank you that you have taken me safely. Thank you that you never leave nor forsake me. You said you are with me always. Thank you for that I'm there already. Because that's what his word said. Hallelujah. You know, when you are going somewhere, you can just thank God. Because actually, he said he's with you. And that's not even a promise. That's a statement of fact. It's God, go with, Father, go with me. Where was he all the time? <laughs> He doesn't go with you. He is in you. He has made his abode in you. You are his tabernacle. In fact, you are his residential address. <laughs> and the angels are all with you. So you just, so you just have to be, Father, thank you for taking us safely. We are safe in you. You can make a declaration. We are safe in Jesus' name. We bless you. We give you. You don't have to worry so much about these things. That is when you are going in faith. Comes now. Hallelujah. You can say, I go in Jesus' name. Thank you for safe journey and keep smiling. That's all. Sometimes long prayers can be a cover up for our unbelief. Lord, 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 this journey, this journey, Lord, 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 this journey. We had of three accidents in the way. Lord. 
So brethren, so when it comes to faith, is huh, you have to constantly feed on faith. Because why? The just shall live by faith. Faith is your day-to-day life. So be constantly reading on faith. You hear me? Constantly be reading on faith. Because that is how you live. The just, we who are justified by his blood, our ordinary living is by faith. And when you give yourself to reading on faith, faith becomes your second nature. Whatever the devil whispers in your ears, you start laughing. You laugh, 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 laugh. No, Satan, you are not serious at all. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2 says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Now we're talking about the elders. And verse 3 says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, let me show you what this verse means. Every verse of scripture is so profound. In fact, the psalmist said, I have seen the end of all commandment, but I have seen the end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. Psalm 119 verse 96. That means that in every single scripture, there is such breadth and fullness that no one can exhaust the death of majesty and glory that is contained in a single verse. It will take all of eternity to expound a single verse. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because Jesus is the word of God. Through faith we understand that the walls, now what's the word walls here? The walls were framed by the word of God. The word walls here has nothing to do with has nothing to do with the world. The walls here has nothing to do with the stars and the sun and the moon, and the earth. That's not what the Bible is talking about. Are you following me? What is framed here, he's not talking about when God spoke the sun, the stars, the solar system, the constellations, the heavenly bodies, and everything to come into being. That's not the idea. It is implied, but primarily that's not it. Because the word walls here is the word ion, A-I-O-N. Now, there are three words in the Greek for world. The first one is cosmos. Now, when the Bible uses cosmos, it refers to creation, what God has created and made. That's cosmos. Another word is oikomini. Oikomini is another word for world, which stands for, it's used to describe a, a particular land or even the Roman Empire. It stands for a specific land or the Roman Empire. But the word world here is ion, A-I-O-N, which describes different periods of time. Different periods of time. Or generations or ages. We are talking about generations or ages or different periods of time. For instance, the era of David's time is an ion. The time of Daniel is an ion. The time of Abraham is an ion. So we are talking about Ages or generations or some periods of time. Praise God. Or a course of time. A course of time. Through faith, we understand that the walls were framed. The word framed here is not, is, has nothing to do with creation. It's not creation. Creation is barak. Frame is katatizo. Two different things. Frame is like uh, someone... Um, uh, uh, a sculptural artist molding something. Molding something. It also speaks of remolding. Something you molded and you don't like it. And you bring... How many of you have done ceramic before? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so you take the clay and um, you put it back on the wheel. And you mold it again and raise another shape. Now, if you don't like it, you can remodel it. Is that not so? Yeah. That's what is this? The word frame to remodel. Now, what it means is that through faith, we understand that different periods in human history were remodeled 
by men, the Bible called them elders, who receive rhema, the word from God, and they change their generation. <laughs> and they start giving an example. We start with Abel. <laughs> now he's giving an example of those who change their generation. Now he began with Abel, then he goes to Enoch, then he goes to Noah, then he goes to Abraham. Hallelujah. Now it began by talking about the elders, the things they did by, their, by good report, by using their faith. So what happened is that these guys, in different periods of human history, the whole earth or the whole world after the fall had become corrupt before God. Everything was subject to futility and vanity. God's purpose was frustrated and postponed. So what happened is that God now began to raise individuals who received word from God. The word of God is the word rhema from God, specific word from God. And by that specific word, they were able to remodel their time by the word they received from God. Hallelujah. And the Bible began to mention Abel. Abel did it. And Enoch did it. And Noah did it. And Abraham did it. And Isaac did it. And Jacob did that. And Rebekah did that. And Moses. And Joshua. And Rahab. And all of them. And in verse 32, he said, What shall I more say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and of the prophet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm saying that if you receive a word from God, you can change your presence generation. You can change the present status quo by receiving a rhema from God. Everyone who received word from God had the ability to change his world. Hallelujah. Because the word of God can produce the things which are not. They produce supernatural things. Hallelujah. Because the source is God himself. And they change their era. They change their time. Hallelujah. So I'm talking about such men. But I want to come to verse 32. I'm not talking about Abraham's faith or Enoch's faith or this guy. I want to come to closer to the conclusion of the apostles' discourse. He said, and what shall I most say? For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, the elders of faith, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, of Samuel, and of the prophet. Now listen. Look at the verse very well. He first mentions Gideon, then Barak. There's something wrong. <laughs> I'm one man of God, what is wrong? How can a scripture be wrong? <laughs> Praise God. He's talking about the faith of the judges. Do you know that? He mentions Gideon before Barak. But in the judges, Barak came before Gideon. But he mentioned Gideon before Barak. Barak is in Judges chapter 4 and chapter 5, but Gideon is in Judges chapter 6. So Gideon was a judge. He came after Barak. But in the chronicle of faith, listen, from the beginning, it was orderly. It was orderly. The Bible never mentioned Enoch before Abel. And the Bible never mentioned Abraham before Noah. So it was a systematic presentation of the witnesses of faith, of the faith and the examples of men who walked in the faith. But when he came here, it's a kind of little switch. So we know that Barak came before Gideon, but in a record, he put Gideon before Barak. Then we know that Jephthah was a judge before Samson, but now he put Samson before Jephthah. And we also know that Samuel came before David because it was Samuel who anointed David. David was a young man. Samuel was an old man and he anointed him into, into office. <laughs> so instead of mentioning, mentioning David, Samuel before David, he mentioned David before Samuel. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it's not a mistake. Sometimes when you read the Bible, let me show you something. Sometimes when you read the Bible. <laughs> in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts. Sometimes you see, you see Barnabas and Paul. You see Barnabas and Paul. 
Have you ever seen Barnabas and Paul in the Bible before? You have ever seen Barnabas and Paul? <laughs> the first one is Barnabas and Saul. Of course, then Saul became Paul. So we see Barnabas and Paul. Then later on, we see we see Paul and Barnabas. Have you ever taken look? Taken look on that. Then later on again we see Barnabas and Paul. Then another time again we see Paul and Barnabas. It's not a mistake. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the names are the arrangement is not just. <laughs> The reason Barnabas comes before Paul is because at that moment, the one God was using primarily, chiefly, for his present purpose, ultimately, according to priority, was Barnabas. But after a while, it switched. Paul was foremost before Barnabas. Now you see Paul and Barnabas. It's like that. Sometimes you see Aquila and Prisla. Then later on, you see Prisla and Aquila. <laughs> now in the Old Testament you see Moses and Aaron but at the time you, we saw Aaron and Moses because of emphasis of the ministry at that time praise God <laughs> you know why I'm mentioning it next time when you're reading the Bible your, your mind will go on it because you have heard it now understand this, but why did God change the chronological arrangement according to history? Because prior to that, everything has been wonderful. Why the switch? Now all of these were men of faith. If they were not men of faith, they wouldn't have been written in the faith hall of fame. So everyone here is already in faith. But the reason Gideon is mentioned before Barak is this. They are all in faith. But God has given priority to greater faith. He's given priority to greater faith. So although Barak came before Gideon, when it comes to the, the dignity of faith and the excellence of faith and God's priority, God esteemed Gideon before Barak. His faith was greater in quality than Barak. Praise God. Then we have Samson and Jephthah. They were all in faith. But you see, according to God's priority, God saw Samson's faith greater than that of Jephthah. So the excellency of faith and the dignity of faith with Samson was higher than Jephthah. That means that, and it's still happening today in God's books. God is still writing his books. So I pray that your faith will be excellent. Because your faith, all that is happening is being written. We will spend all of eternity reading our stories. Praise God. All right. Now let's start with the first one. And of Gideon and of Barak. Hallelujah. Are you here or are you going home? How many of you want to know the reason why God reckons Barak's faith more than Gideon? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> why the switch? Why the change? <laughs> That's why I want you to have, have to have excellent faith. So that in heaven your name will be mentioned first. <laughs> and the principles are are hidden in their lives and what they did. Now, both Gideon and Barak were great men of faith. In fact, in the days of, ba of, of Barak, they were oppressed by the king of Canaan. The king of Canaan oppressed them for 20 years. And with Gideon, Israel was under the oppressive rule of the Midianites, actually for seven years. And they were all raised as deliverers in the Hebrew saviors or judges. To deliver Israel from the dominion of their oppressors. Now, Barak was distinguished. You read about Barak. Because of time, you can go home and read Judges 4 and 5. 
But there was a prophetess by name Deborah, and Deborah prophesied and called for Barak, the son of Abinom, that God had chosen him to lead an army of 10,000 to go and deliver Israel or destroy the king of Canaan so Israel could be free from oppression. So the word of God came to Barak. In fact, Deborah the prophetess prophesied. He said, Arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thou son of Abinom. And he took the 10,000 and they fought against the king of Canaan. And the tribes fought. The Bible says Zebulon and Naphtali were a people that jeoparded their lives in the high places in the field. The kings came and fought. Then fought the kings of Canaan in Tanakh by the waters of Megiddo. They took no gain of money. Judges 5 verse 20 says, they fought from heaven. And the stars in their courses fought against Sisera. The river Kishon swept them. That ancient river, River Kishon. Oh, my soul, that has trodden down strength. Judges 5, 18 to 21. Now, let's see verse 20. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Look at something. There's something nice here. Listen. The Bible says when they were fighting, the kings of Canaan came and fight. Now, they didn't fight for plunder or spoil. The Bible says that in, in, in verse 18, 19, it says in 19, they said they didn't fight for money. They had, it, it, not for plunder, not for spoil. They just wanted a victory. So they wanted to just put down Israel. But the Bible said, Barak and his people, look at verse 20, they fought from heaven. You know what it means? And the stars in their courses. Makota. So whilst they were on earth fighting, the stars were fighting against the kings of Canaan. Hey. <laughs> the stars were fighting against them. In fact, when you read Josephus, Flavius, Josephus, the historian, tells us that around this time, this is what happened. God began to rain hailstorm and violent rain and hailstorms against the kings of Canaan, directly, they were in the same place, but it wasn't touching <laughs> Barak. It, it was just whipping. <laughs> so much that they were frozen in cold. And the river Kishon also swelled up and began to whip them, the river. The river began to fight them, the river Kishon. And boom, <laughs> hallelujah. And drowned all of them. It's amazing. So to me, this is a great exploit of faith. Yet, with all that he did, his faith was brought below that of Gideon. That means the excellency of faith is beyond exploit. It's not just doing a spectacular. It's not just the wow. It's something beyond that. In fact, you can do the wow, yet God doesn't see excellence of faith. Listen, in the story of the Faith Hall of Fame, Elijah brought fire from heaven, but it's not recorded. That deed is not recorded here. <laughs> Daniel's act is implied because they stopped the mouth of lions. Daniel. Listen, Moses, God said, Speak to the rock, but he hit the rock and the water came out. It was a great miracle, yet God was not pleased. So the spectacular doesn't mean <laughs> your faith is excellent. Though the, the result is happening. Praise God. <laughs> so God determines these things. That's why some of the great men on, on earth in heaven will be the least. They'll be the least. They'll be the least. And some of the least will be the greatest on that day. <laughs> what was the problem of Barak although he did all these things what was the problem this was it there was a place God was not pleased when the prophetess Deborah prophesied that go and fight the, the lost battle to defeat the, 
the kings of Canaan, you know what he said? He said, I will not go until you go with me. So his eyes was on a woman. <laughs> when I say woman, I'm not saying woman as a woman. <laughs> so now God has given a word, go. You are saying you will not go. So his eyes was not on God for the victory. His eyes was on a human being. So until you can imagine, until you go, I will not go. God didn't see that as an excellent faith. Because he was not totally leaning on God. Faith is when you lean on God. Not one leg here and another leg here. That was his problem. One leg is in the sea, another leg is in the land. So it means that the, the trust was not absolute. Hey, how can I go alone? What about if it doesn't work? So her confidence was in the woman, the prophetess, instead of God. And that brought his faith lower than that of Gideon. Brethren, you see, your faith is excellent when you can look on God totally for your supplies. He's in the office and he's just looking to his boss for promotion. He wants, she wants promotion or you want promotion. And all that you are looking is your boss. Hey, my boss, my boss. That's what I'm talking about. Your eyes are not on him. You are looking to your boss, your earthly boss, for promotion. That's so wrong. You want money to do something, and all your hopes is on your uncle who is in Germany. <laughs> who has promised you? When you are praying, hey, my uncle, oh, your uncle Thomas. Uncle Thomas, oh Lord, touch Uncle Thomas. <laughs> the more you set your eyes on Uncle Thomas, the more the miracle delays. It's always like that. God wants to bring us to a place where we can just depend on Him. And whoever God is used to bring us the blessing is up, up to Him. It's left to Him. So you're talking about excellent faith. Lord is you. Right and it works. Now, when you have your eye, one eye on God and one eye on man, sometimes the victory comes by this partial. It's in the Bible. Now, in Judges chapter 1, after the death of Joshua, the Canaanites warred against Israel. And the Israelites consulted God in Judges chapter 1 by the Urim and the Tumim. That, Lord, we are going to fight, but which tribe should lead us? Which tribe? Not tribes. Which tribe should lead us? And God says, Judah should lead you. We'll go before you. God said, Judah. Then when God said Judah, Judah went to consult with the tribe of Simeon. <laughs> and said, oh, see, because Simeon was Judah's brother. He said, oh, my brother, can you go with me? So consulted him, set his eyes on Simeon for the battle. So something happened. Judges 1 verse 19. See Judges 1 19. Now, so you have to read the whole chapter. Because of time, I wouldn't read the whole chapter. And the Lord was with Judah. Listen. And he drove out the inhabitants of the mountain, but could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. What does this mean? How can the Lord be with you? Now, the Lord was with him. How can you conquer those on the mountain, but you can't conquer those on the, uh, in the valley? Yet the Lord was, is with you. Because of chariots of iron. Why? When they were in Israel, in Egypt, and they came out of Egypt, and Pharaoh's army followed them out of Egypt, they were having chariots of iron. What did God do? He removed the spokes from the chariots, and the wheels from the chariots, and they began to, they began to pull heavily the chariots in the midst of the sea, and they died. God had done it before. What is chariots of iron before the God of the universe? But at this time, they had consulted Simeon and they were looking to Simeon instead of God absolutely. So what happened was that their victory was partial. They overcame the enemies on the mountain, but the enemies on the valley, they were defeated. When you set one eye on God and one eye on man, your defeat, your victory is 50% or less. It's not total. 
And this is a challenge with many believers. Because we don't think God is faithful enough. Or we think God doesn't answer, hear prayer. Many believers know, think God doesn't answer prayer. Now we preach on this at the Kaneshi Church. You have to listen to that message. And begin to celebrate answers to prayer. God answers prayer. You are a believer. God loves, you have no idea how much he loves you. He loves you to have prayer answered and you yourself desiring for your prayers to be answered. But don't look to man. Because you see, when you look to man, there are those who are willing and not able. And there are those who are able but not willing. Because <laughs> sometimes you are in need. And you really know that this guy, he has the money I want. You know. You know he's able. But you go to him and that family member or that person or that boss, you know he's able. But the willingness is not there. He's not willing. And there are some people also, they, are, they love you so much that they are willing to do it. But... <laughs> but there is not there. <laughs> That's man. The Bible says, vain is the help of man. You know the middle of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, if you put all the words together, the middle of the Bible is found in Psalm 118. It is better to put your trust in God <laughs> than in princes. <laughs> the whole Bible is about trust. That's the middle of the Bible. Not to put your eyes on men. Do you know that the Greek word for man is the word anthropos? That's where you get the word anthropology. Now, in the Greek, the word anthropos illustratively describes a man who is standing this way and looking up. That's a Greek word for man. A man standing to look up. In the Greek, the proper posture of the man God created. Man was created to look up. For your resources, for your supply, for your provision, everything you need, you were created to look up, not to look around. From whence cometh your help? Hallelujah. Looking unto Jesus. Now, in the Greek, looking away unto Jesus. That's a this. In the Greek, looking away unto Jesus. Looking away from everyone. Look away from your boss. Look away from your uncle. Look away from that sister. Look away from ever. Looking away unto Jesus. The author and the finish of the Who will do it? Who will supply all your need? That's why I began by talking about his faithfulness. Because he's faithful. And if he's faithful, he will do it. Praise God. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.